Today is the third Sunday after Pentecost, um, but we're having the Mass of the Sacred Heart so that we can solemnize the Feast of the Sacred Heart, providing it to you on this Sunday. The Epistle for the Feast of the Sacred Heart is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Brethren, to me, the very least of all the saints, there was given this grace to announce among the Gentiles the good tidings of the unfathomable riches of Christ and to enlighten all men as to what is the dispensation of the mystery which has been hidden from eternity in God who created all things. In order that through the church there may be made known to the principalities and the powers in the heavens the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him we have assurance and confident access through faith in him. For this reason I bend my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom all fatherhood in heaven and on earth receives its name, that he may grant you from his glorious riches to be strengthened with power through his Spirit unto the progress of the inner man, and to have Christ dwelling through faith in your hearts, so that being rooted and grounded in love, you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know Christ's love, which surpasses knowledge, in order that you may be filled unto all the fullness of God. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the 19th chapter of the Gospel of St. John. At that time, the Jews, since it was the preparation day, in order that the bodies might not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a solemn day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with them. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers opened his side with a lance, and immediately there came out blood and water. And he who saw it has borne witness, and his witness is true, and he knows that he tells the truth that you also may believe. For these things came to pass that the scripture might be fulfilled not a bone of him shall you break. And again, another scripture says, they shall look upon him whom they have pierced. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My dear faithful, because our Lord Jesus Christ is God, because he is the head of the human race, and because he is our Redeemer, he has rights. He has supreme rights. All rights originate in our Lord. And if anybody else has rights, it's because they are given rights from him. Our Lord is God. And as God, he has created this reality which we inhabit. He has rights over this reality. This reality is his reality. And we who inhabit it, who receive it, have a duty to respect what he's established as a result. Our Lord is king. He is the head of the human race. He has supreme authority over all mankind. And as a result, everybody on this planet, every single person, have the duty to acknowledge our Lord's authority, to seek, to follow our Lord's will in all that they do in their life. Our Lord is our Redeemer. He died for us on the cross. He became incarnate. He shed his blood for us. He redeemed us from sin, 
He makes it possible for us to attain everlasting happiness. And as a result, we have a duty of, of gratitude, of love, of homage to him. My dear faithful, blessed are those who are willing to serve our Lord. To serve him is to reign. He created us. He made us for him. When we serve him, we are serving our own interest. We are pursuing our ultimate fulfillment. This is why it is said that to serve him is to reign. We are led on the path of triumph for ourselves. The best passable path, the only true path of happiness when we seek to serve our Lord. Why did our Lord take on our human nature, come down and die for us, if not to try to attract us as sweetly as he could to the very thing for which he had created us, to our own ultimate fulfillment, to our happiness? As you know, there are so many now in our time who reject the rights of God over this reality, over ourselves, quite simply because they do not want to live any life that is not subject completely to their own will, that is not completely determined by their own will. And so they, they resent the, the thought of, of having some heavenly father who's created them, who's made them in a certain way, who's made them for a certain purpose, who has determined things for them which they cannot change, in which they have no power over. Hating this, not, not, not wanting this, they, they seek to usurp God's power. They seek to um, give to themselves somehow a divine power. You know how it goes. I mean, we have so many examples today. People now pretend to have the power to determine their own gender just by a choice of their own free will. A man says, wakes up one day and decides, I am a woman. And he claims that just by this act of his will alone, he has become a woman. You know, in Genesis, when the, the, the creation is described, God says, let there be light. All he needs to do is just make an act of his will. He just wants it to happen, and it happens. It is. Reality happens just by him wanting it. And this is what these people pretend to do, that, that because I identify as something, I am that thing. And when, when they usurp this divine power and want to, to become something that they're not or identify as something that they're not, um, obviously it's, it's not real. It's, it's not true. It's, it's an illusion because we're creatures. We don't have that power. I don't have that power. You don't have that power to, to make things happen by a simple fiat of your own will. Only God has the power to make our own human natures, to create things. And then because certain ruling powers in society, whether it be uh, companies, corporations, or, or government leaders, be, because they, for whatever reason, um, often for their own interests, they want to foster this illusion that, that humans can be gods, that, that humans have a divine power, that, that our wills are supreme. They, they foster the illusion over the reality. They favor the illusion over the reality. 
and they try to create a, a so-called right that doesn't come from God, it just comes from them, to identify as whatever gender you want to be, to choose your own pronouns, and then to force everybody to conform to that illusory reality instead of God's reality. So you try to force people to reject what God has established and sort of accept, tolerate, approve what this individual person has stated is the reality, but which we know is, is not the reality. It's almost, it's almost like a certain idolatry. They, they, they expect us to, to worship the decision of their own will, uh, to bow down before it when, when clearly we, we know it's not right. What would make you to, to submit yourself to something you know not to be true except your, your will to basically acknowledge divine power in another? Just to, to give an example of, of, of this sort of thing, in California recently, there was a law proposed to, I quote, force insurance companies to pay for pregnancy treatments for homosexual couples in California by redefining infertility to include couples who cannot reproduce because they have a partner of the same sex. So, obviously, God has established an order where only a man and a woman can produce children. And, and those who are, are just men or, or just women, they're, they're not infertile, they're unfertile. It's impossible. It's, it's not in nature for them to have the capacity to produce. So it's not like they have the ability and for some reason it's not working. They don't have the ability. So legislation is seeking to redefine reality, them being infertile rather than unfertile. So what we're seeing happening is a certain collective insanity by, by which people are being encouraged to create their own reality. I mean, this is, this is the definition of, of insanity when, when someone's living in their own world. You know, and everybody knows, like, this is, this person's crazy because they think something is real, but is not actually real. It's not real. And we all know it's not real, but they think it's real. Um, so, Meanwhile, those who still want to live in God's reality, the, 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 the reality that we all inhabit, um, sometimes they, they are sanctioned as, as a result. If, if they will not bow down before, before the fake reality, um, they're, they're being forced. In some cases, maybe threatened with, with the loss of their job, or in some, in some uh, cases as well, legal action um, for like misgendering people or whatever. It's kind of like having a, an insane asylum where where you have all the, the inmates and um, they're, they're being told to conform to certain rules because their reality is not, not real, and then they have a revolt and they, and they take over the, the asylum. And, and they start running the asylum, and, and they say to their former guards, he was like, you're going to conform to our reality now, the, the, the reality that, that we have chosen rather than what uh, the, the reality you're trying to force us to conform to. So my dear faithful, as, as Catholics, do we, do we have an answer for this? How, how, do, we, how do we address this? What, what is the, the proper attitude that we should have to, to these things that are going on in, in our world? What, what should we do? Do we have any solutions to this situation? 
it's so important for us to ask this question of ourselves because of the fact that, that we have the Catholic faith. We, we have our Lord ourselves, himself, in, in the Blessed Sacrament. Um, in theory, with, with our Lord, we, we should have a solution to, to everything. Um, and we, we need to reflect, what, what should be my attitude? What, what can I do in the face of this hatred of God's reality that exists today? We must want to do something to react to this crazy situation, something where we can affirm the rights of God. If it's the rights of God that are being attacked and com- being completely overturned and people are turning themselves into gods and making people worship their own will, what can we do to affirm the rights of God as far as we can in our own lives? Well, there's many things that can be done, but there's one thing in particular I want to, to recommend to you and speak to you about today. And this is the practice of enthroning your home to the Sacred Heart, making our Lord Jesus Christ the King of your home. You probably know that that it was Father Matteo Crowley, a priest from South America, who started this practice of the enthronement to the Sacred Heart. He entered the Congregation of the Sacred Hearts of Jesus and Mary, so that was a special devotion of his priestly order. And in the first half of the 20th century, he traveled all around the world to encourage people to acknowledge the Sacred Heart in this way. Um, you know, he, he recognized that the Christendom was over. The, the day where there were Catholic nations that publicly acknowledged that our Lord is the King of Society, and they, they made their constitutions to, to acknowledge that, and they sought in their laws to follow the will of God, that that time was finished. It was over. And he was saying to himself, okay, what can we do? When all we have now is secular democracies, and Christendom is, is gone. Well, he had this ambition to reconquer the world for Christ the King. And his idea was that he was going to do it through the family. We all live in a, in a in this secularized world. God is not being acknowledged. But what we can do is we can create places, little places, little little territories within the secular state, or at least this area, this home, this apartment, this business, whatever it may be, at least in that place, that place is acknowledging the rights of God, is seeking to serve our Lord Jesus Christ, to give him the homage that is owed to him. This was his idea. So in 1907, he went for an audience with St. Pius X to, to speak to him uh, about this mission that, that he wanted to, to uh, undertake. And of course, he ended up traveling all around the world, in, including Asia and the United States. Um, and he said to St. Pius X, he said, Holy Father, permit me to be the apostle of the Sacred Heart, to go and work to conquer for him the entire world, home by home, family by family. And St. Pius X, he said to him, No, my son. I command you. Do you understand? Not only do I permit you, but I order you to give your life for this work of salvation. It is a wonderful work. Consecrate your entire life to it. 
And he also said to Father Matteo at that time, to save the family is to save society. The work you are undertaking is a work of social salvation. So as I say, there are many things that you can do in order to seek to have the rights of God acknowledged today. But I think one of the most important is that you take your own family and consecrate your family and throne your home to the most sacred heart. At a certain time that's decided beforehand, the priest comes over, and there is a picture that's of the sacred heart that's been purchased. The priest comes, and he, he blesses the picture of the sacred heart. And then the father of the family, he goes and he hangs that picture in a prominent place in the home. And then the priest and the whole family, they all kneel down before that picture, and they make this act of consecration to the sacred heart. It's a very beautiful ceremony. Um, the priest here would certainly be happy to, to do that ceremony with you. But in fact, the ceremony is the easy part. The hard part is living that consecration. And if we look at the, at the act of consecration that is made on that day, there are really four main things that the family is, is pledging themselves to do that, that I want to mention. The first one is, is the banishment of the spirit of the world, the world which is inimical to, to our Lord, which is an enemy, always been an enemy of our Lord. Here's what the family says. Henceforth, we purpose to lead a life like unto thine, so that amongst us may flourish the virtues for which thou didst promise peace on earth. And for this end, we will banish from our midst the spirit of the world which thou dost abhor so much. Secondly, the frequent reception of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. And this is the most effective way for us to submit ourselves to our Lord, the devout reception of the Holy Eucharist, to, to have our Lord in our hearts and to say to him, I adore you, please direct me, make me an instrument for you. I want to do everything according to your will in my life. The consecration says, Thou wilt reign over our understanding by the simplicity of our faith. Thou wilt reign over our hearts by an ardent love for thee. And may the flame of this love be ever kept burning in our hearts by the frequent reception of the Holy Eucharist. And the third thing, and perhaps the most difficult, is that we seek to include our Lord in everything that we do. We, we seek, seek to live our lives where we're actually remembering I am consecrated to our Lord. I serve our Lord in, in what I do. What, what does he want me to do? Um, how can I accomplish his will? Deign, O divine heart, to preside over our meetings, to bless our undertakings, both spiritual and temporal, to banish all worry and care, to sanctify our joys and soothe our sorrows. If any of us should ever have the misfortune to grieve thy sacred heart, remind him of thy goodness and mercy towards the repentant sinner. And then finally, the acceptance of our Lord's providence. Whatever he wants to arrange in our life that we accept, including tragedies such as deaths in the family. Lastly, when the hour of separation will sound and death will plunge our home into mourning, then shall we all and every one of us be resigned to thy eternal decrees and seek consolation in the thought that we shall one day be reunited in heaven but we shall sing the praises and blessings of thy sacred heart for all eternity. Dear families, 
the authentic living of this enthronement of your home to the sacred heart is the most effective way by which you can provide an answer to a world that has divinized itself, has rejected the, the rights of God. And for you young people out there who, who may be thinking about marriage, and obviously if you're, if you're not pursuing a vocation, you should be thinking about marriage, this is the ideal that you should have when you're dating. You should think about, I want to form a family to where my family, we will be serving the Sacred Heart. We will have a family where we will create a home where our Lord Jesus Christ is King, where we will serve him in, in what we do. What a beautiful thing it is to, to think about, to have in, in, a, in a world that is so far turned against God, to, to have these pockets of resistance against the godlessness, where in these places at least, in these territories, in these homes, in these businesses, these, these farms, whatever it may be, our Lord Jesus Christ is King, and the people who are there, they seek to serve him. The, the enthronements of the families and the, and the living of, of the enthronement by you um, will in turn assist us here at, at St. Isidore's to, to truly live as a community where our Lord Jesus Christ is King. We want these 18 acres here in, in Watkins to be a place where his rights are acknowledged, where, where people, where, where we seek to serve him together as as a parish community, it's, I think, so important for us to have that same dream as, as Father Matteo, um, to want to, to conquer the world for Christ the King. Maybe we, we are not able to do that tomorrow. Okay, fine. But we, we are able to do something, and we must do what we can so that his kingdom may come, his will may be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.